Welcome to the Palace Perspective. The Palace Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the Northeast, specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies, and family office services for high net worth families across the country. Welcome to another edition of Palace Capital Advisors podcast series. I'm Rich Mullen and I'm the managing partner here at Palace Capital. I'm joined by uh, Mark Bogar, our chief investment officer, and Steve Kylander, our senior portfolio manager. As we record this webcast here in early September, the stock and bond markets have retreated over the past month on the back of a hawkish Federal Reserve commentary, rising interest rates and ongoing inflation driven by higher energy prices, uh, particularly in Europe, have been a concern. We're going to discuss these topics and address questions that are top of mind for our clients. Mark and Steve, let's just jump right into it and let's begin with the Federal Reserve. The commentary uh, they gave was a reaction, or uh, in Jackson Hole, the market reacted negatively to those comments. So what are we thinking here? Uh, what is the Federal Reserve signaling here? Well, I can take the first shot at it. I think the Federal Reserve is talking in hawkish tones, and by hawkish we mean uh, trying to raise rates uh, to slow down the economy. He mentioned things like pain for households, talked about potentially seeing some weakness in the labor market. So to, to accomplish those tasks, at least the way the economy has been running fairly hot in terms of labor market has been very strong. We've had the continued supply chain issues from around the world, be it COVID, be it from Russia. And but for the Fed to uh, the Fed can't directly affect the supply. So they need to raise rates further if they want to bring inflation under control. And it's a message he has been talking about. But he was very specific and deliberate with that commentary. And this is after there was some softening inflation data a few weeks prior, which led the market to rally. So that's what the I believe the market is struggling with, is that the Fed's continuing to talk about getting inflation under control by raising rates further. I and mean, we've only had one good data point of inflation starting to come down. So that's what the market's been struggling with, in my opinion. Yeah. Steve, you want to add something to that? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think the market was coming off of a period of depression at the end of June and into early July. And when we had a relatively uh, better print for CPI in, in July, indicating that perhaps uh, we were looking at peak inflation, the market responded very quickly to pricing in uh, a peak in, in interest rates as well. And I think the Fed just really wanted to reiterate that that's probably premature and that the, uh, their primary goal right now is to really bring inflation under control, which I think is a you know, positive message for the longer term you know, and something that's necessary. Right. I think, yeah, the market's reaction recently on the, on the heels of the talk, uh, Jackson Hole, was obviously to sell off, but also a spike in rates. I think that one Friday, the comments were made by Chairman Powell, the market was down about 1,000 points. Mark, you bring up that the fact that the, there are these signals pointing to pockets of uh, abatement in the inflation direction, but I think the one persistently strong sector is the labor market, and that seems to be, uh, I think, where the Fed's targeting uh, their efforts specifically. It's kind of ironic to, to think that the Fed would like to raise unemployment. That just seems kind of you know counter, counterintuitive. But we did see a, a fairly, I think, sanguine print on jobs uh, not that long ago. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yet to be seen. We want, obviously, to your point, Steve, to see more than one report on that to see directionally if, if that's a trend or if that's some sort of an anomaly. So I think the, I think the labor market's really going to be uh, confounding here. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think the particular concern has been the large number of unfilled openings. I'm actually sort of thinking that some of this is sometimes seasonal and once we get the summer behind us, uh, we may have you know a little bit 
you know, fewer job openings out there and more positions filled and uh, see, you know, I'm, I'm still hoping that, uh, that we can have a relatively mild or softer landing uh, based on the stronger labor market to, and, and still have lower inflation ultimately. Yeah, I think that is the buller case, right, in terms of if labor force participation picks up, which it did in the most recent data, and that trend continues, as Steve was intimating, maybe it's people getting back to school, back to work, back to the office. Okay, inflation's been high. That's been a pressure on um, people's balance sheets and their budgets. So maybe uh, you'll, you'll see labor force participation pick up and people come back to work, and that could help alleviate some of the labor market pressures without having a severe recession. So that is a positive sign, but it's definitely, there are still uh, undercurrents that are, that are troubling out there. Sure, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, the higher rates I think are scary for a couple of reasons. People worry that the Fed's raising rates into, you know, already slowing economy. That's, you know, been a uh, concern throughout different cycles. But in many instances, I think the real estate market, for instance, the mortgage market in particular has just come to a screeching halt, you know, and, and uh, I think that those are things that will ultimately feed back into, in a positive way, lowering the inflation uh, numbers. But uh, again, the job markets, the, I think, is the big arbiter there, and, and we'll see how that kind of plays out. So the summer rally ended. Um, we talked about that, and, and you think maybe the fall might portend some some strength in the markets because of the returning the labor force and a little bit of a, you know, cooling off action. Is that, that's well, I'd sort of say what we're seeing right now is probably similar to earlier in the year that, you know, the, the pullback in the market has been on the multiples. Mm-hmm. So valuations while lower than earlier in the year are still, you know, are s- still relatively high and with a higher rate environment that probably, uh, you know, dampens both the, uh, you know, both longer duration bond market as well as uh, as the equity market. I think what's yet to be seen is whether we're going to have a break in the in the earnings for companies. And you know, I think there's being priced in now an expectation that you know higher rates means a slower economy. But I think the expectation is yet to be priced in or considered a, a real severe drop in in comp- you know corporate earnings at least for the rest of this year. Yep. Well, let's talk about interest rates then, since um, that's kind of what we're seeing here. And what has Palace been doing, uh, Mark, uh, in response to the higher rates and, you know, either multiples or what we're doing in our fixed income portfolio or the portfolio at large? Yep. No, excellent. So we've been uh, concerned about higher rates for quite a long time. And what that, how that plays out in portfolios is we've been generally uh, shorter maturity bonds. We want to hold and why that is good. Think about if you bought a 10-year treasury yielding 1% two, three years ago. Well, now if if the 10-year treasury is at 3.3%, the value of that bond has fallen. Uh, You're still going to earn your 1% that you bought it for, but the value has fallen relative to rates rising. So we've been the more shorter maturity end. So when those lower yielding bonds mature, you can reinvest at the higher rates of today. And so we're seeing short-term rates in the 3, 3.5% range, even out just one year on uh, U.S. treasuries. So we're able to reinvest at those higher rates along the way. So that's been very positive. And where we've taken some risk, we haven't taken on the interest rate side, which is what I just talked about. We've taken it more on the credit side with some private credit opportunities. And even though spreads have widened and values have come down a bit in that market on worries about a recession, the coupon income has more than offset that. So we've taken the risk on the credit side and not as much on the uh, interest rate side. But we're monitoring that portfolio and we have trimmed that exposure. So even though that portfolio has done well, we've actually trimmed it and hedged that and, and brought that back into uh, cash and shorter maturity bonds. 
Yep. And um, Steve, on the on the equity side, you know, you talked in the past about the types of companies that we're putting in the portfolio in response to the current backdrop of economic conditions. Yeah, I think the importance right now is to find companies that have long-term have proven their business models through different cycles, that are market leaders, that are profitable, generate free cash flow, have solid balance sheets. And, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to project short-term the trajectory of equities, as, it, as we mentioned, it'll move with uh, valuation multiples. But, you know, the bedrock of the portfolio is in companies that are, you know, very well positioned for the long term. You know, it does tend to, you know, if, if the market recovers, that's great. These companies will do well. If we have a recession or pullback in the market, you know, it tends to be that uh, best of breed companies tend to capitalize on those points in time and come out the other side even stronger. Sure. So that's the, uh, that's the focus on the equity side. Let's pivot here in conclusion and talk a little bit about energy. Uh, the escalation of energy prices and the utilization of energy as a weapon in Europe, uh, certainly by uh, Russia, and the impact on inflation and growth and currencies. Um, so we've seen some strength in the dollar here recently. Let's talk a little bit about you know potential knock-on effect or negative feedback loop if uh, things get a little bit more dire in Europe. And you know how are we looking at the current domestic markets in view of higher energy prices? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. I mean the the. You know, I really have to juxtapose, you know, the U.S. situation versus the European issue. The the U.S. issue on energy has been more around gasoline prices. And, um, you know, those we have seen gasoline prices pull back now and uh, a bit of a plateauing in oil. Europe, the real issue is natural gas. And uh, we have ample natural gas in the United States, but Europe has no supply. And, uh, you know, that is going to be a, a significant issue. We get into the winter months. They have storage and supplies to get them through a portion of it, but not all. And the impact there is one both in terms of individuals, in terms of being able to heat and power their homes, but it's also going to likely have a a knock-on effect on industrial production and growth in Europe. You know, the response on that is, you know, therefore lower earnings expectations for European companies. And the other impact, uh, you know, that we're seeing here in the United States is a you know, a strengthening in the dollar relative to Europe, which is a bit of a headwind for companies selling into Europe at this stage. So it'll have a knock-on impact for earnings here for U.S. companies as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with that international, challenging international market, what are we doing here, Mark, at Palace with regard to the portfolios in response to what may be probably a long-term uh, issue over there if things don't resolve themselves with the war and such? Yeah, well, we've definitely been underweight international um, uh, for a long, long time. So we're overweight U.S. on a secular basis. We like the composition of um, the U.S. companies, the return on capital, technology sector, et cetera. But certainly cyclically, as we just talked about, uh, with all the problems in Europe and the energy prices, that's another reason to stay underweight. So if and when that situation changes, we'd look to add to those. And sometimes these situations chan- can change quickly, but we'll be able to react to that in the moment. But for now, given the challenges that we see over there, we're going to maintain that positioning of being overweight U.S. equities. Great. I appreciate it. Well, in summary, uh, the Fed has asserted uh, its commitment to maintain a higher monetary policy or tighter monetary policy over the course of 2022-2023 to fight off the persistently high inflation that we're seeing, which we believe is responsible and consistent with longer-term health of the U.S. financial markets. So we're keeping a, a vigilant eye on that. Meanwhile, in Europe, you know, additional pain will be felt as the region needs to evolve towards energy independence from Russia. And I think that that's going to take a while. 
But Palace Capital, uh, as always, will continue to focus on quality, long-run investments, including private markets, and to help clients achieve their goals. Thank you, Mark and Steve, for your thoughts today. And thank you for taking the time to watch and keep an eye out for our next podcasts and webinars. Have a great day. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You should consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general informational and educational purposes based on publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. PCA cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only, is not personalized investment advice, and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security, sector, or strategy to any individual person or entity. Investment advice is offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor.